0: Um, <laughs> create, connect, communicate. Create, connect, communicate. Uh your you're enigmatic, magic. gift of gab, super, gab, super, add story from the space, space Come, well lit. <laughs> So yeah, I will give you a little bit of an introduction and then we'll just uh we'll just talk. We'll All just right. have fun. Okay. All right. Are you ready, ma'am?
1: Oh
2: yes.
0: Breathe. All right. So Om taday to so Namaste. Namaste human beings of the universe. Welcome back to another meditative episode of Firelight Chats, where we contemplate the most super natural stories from Mars Space Lab Studio here in Da'an, Taipei, Taiwan. In this non-dual experiential episode, we welcome you to become intimate with us vibrating like the third eye, unfolding like the lotus ear. As the Zen Buddhist master Dogen says, In ceremony, there are forms and there are sounds. There is understanding and there is believing. In liturgy, there is only intimacy. You are thus encouraged to let go and listen with everything you have, transcending anachronistic concepts of self and other as we chat and spark chants of mirth by the enchanting fireside. As the master continues, let go of the eye, and the whole body and mind are nothing but the eye. Let go of the ear, and the whole universe is nothing but the ear. From Buddhist names endowed by the Dalai Lama to bondage and BDSM. From Krav Maga to Shaolin Kung Fu to choreographing fight scenes in the first kiss of the night. From learning to teaching, from photography to industrial design, impact entrepreneurship, to VJing and immersive theater experiences. From Taiwan to Nantes, France, to Bristol, UK, and back to Taiwan. From birth to death and infinite cycles of sensual nirvana, our special guest for this episode is a unique, variegated and fluid soul with stories from this world and maybe others to tell. So without further ado, We will chat and chant, create, connect, and communicate by the fireside with the one and only Norzo Tenjin.
2: Thank you so much, King. I'm so flattered. Thank you for inviting me.
0: (laughs) Yes, of course. I'm very happy to have you here. Mocha and I are very happy to have you here. Is Mocha by your side right now?
2: Yes, she is. She's chilling by your feet. Yes.
0: She's in the namaste pose. Oh, yes. Downward dog.
2: (laughs) Downward dog. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Exactly.
0: Yes. Thank you for joining us today on a very hot day. It's summer in Taiwan. Oh, yes. (sighs) But it's pretty hot.
2: Wow. We have to be zen. I know. Yes. We have to be zen.
0: (laughs) Let it flow. Just be one with the heat. One with the sun. Wash through us. Exactly. So speaking of that, you know, I started off in the intro mentioning and I kind of alluded to Buddhist names endowed by the Dalai Lama. When I first met you, I asked you pretty quickly, are you Nepalese? The name, you know, sounded very Nepalese or maybe Tibetan to me. I have a lot of friends named Tenjin. Um, So I asked you that question. Can you... Give us a little background about where this name comes from.
2: Sure. I've been um, atheist all my life up until three years ago when I came back to Taiwan and met a Buddhist monk. Well, I like challenging people, like asking difficult questions and he wasn't shy away and he was really encouraging me to give him challenging questions. And then we had so many good debates and and I realized that Buddhism really spoke to me. And then that is when I decided to convert to Buddhism. Mm. He is a high scholar in the Buddhist equivalent universities, he's like the the head of the professors. And then two years ago, he went back to um, India. He works directly under the Dalai Lama. So when he went back, he went to the Dalai Lama to ask him to give me a name. So the Dalai Lama very kindly gave me Noto
0: Tenzin. Wow. That's as high as you can get (laughs) for a Buddhist.
2: Oh, yes. I was so honored. And I cannot wait to go to India and actually go and meet the Dalai Lama. I hope so. Wow. Yeah,
0: Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about this master of yours? Because he worked, studied directly under the Dalai Lama.
2: Yes. So when he was in his teenage, he fled from Tibet and he went the exact route as the Dalai Lama to
1: in to exile go, the, in exile yeah right. to
2: go to India and he told me he spent about a month and a half to walk the route and wow. it was really hard he's a really as uh, someone who's really devoted to Buddhism and he studied really hard and his title is a Geshi Geshi means a uh, scholar in mm. Buddhism. And then he's the head of Geshi. He has some um, organized ceremonies for the Dalai Lama. Yeah, so he works directly on him.
0: The- wow. So how did he come to Taiwan?
2: He came to Taiwan because he was invited by a Buddhist organization to come to preach. So he stayed in that organization for about two years, just like preaching Buddhism to people. And then I met him outside of that organization. As a friend.
1: Hmm.
2: Yeah. So, like I said, I asked him many challenging questions like, is um, being compassionate and do good deeds more important, or is praying more important, or is studying Buddhism more important. He said, of course, all three are important, but if you have to like put them in order, of course, um, doing the good deeds and being kind and being compassionate to people by default is the most important. So I say, can I not pray and not just study Buddhism then? He said yes Of course It's totally fine He wasn't like Offended Because I was like Being challenging Right and, and, and critical yeah, yeah Well yes right. And So I really like That aspect of him And about Buddhism As well Even the Buddha Said that You have to question Everything I say You, you cannot just Take everything for granted mm. And for that reason I think Buddhism Is just so open-minded That really speaks to
0: me So it wasn't that You were kind of Searching for something no. You really It just kind of happened. Yes. It's a chance meeting and became a friendship and then a deeper kind of philosophical communication basically.
2: Yeah. And he kept saying, don't regard me as as your master. I'm your friend and don't just call anybody master until after maybe five to seven years, until you really know this person, and then you decide to regard this person as your master. Just don't take it like immediately. Mm. And then realize that maybe two years, five years later, and and find out that this person isn't-
0: Isn't exactly a master. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Something like that. Exactly so a very humble person yeah.
0: yeah that's a very beautiful thing i think in you know education as well that's super important if anyone says trust me trust me right yeah yes. you probably maybe shouldn't
1: right
2: yeah and we <laughs> i mean you know we look at this person and just because this person wearing this robe and you think that person is the master but maybe how do you know
1: oh, right yeah yeah
0: Yeah, and I think that's quite interesting because you started off by saying, you know, you've been an atheist your whole life. Yes. So I think that also relates to another question that I kind of had regarding your name is that you are actually not Tibetan. You are not Nepalese. No,
2: I'm Taiwanese. I'm originally from Taiwan. I'm born and raised Taiwanese and I went to France to study after I finished my first university degree Mm. in Taiwan. And then I went to France to do a second one. Um, my first one was printing and photography mm. in Taiwan. And then I went to Nantes, France, to study industrial design. I spent the first two years studying French. Okay. Right. And then I went into a university to study industrial design. There I met the love of my life. Mm. <laughs> he's an english exchange student so uh, we fell in love and i transferred to cardiff wales and finished my studies there
0: it's always love
2: yeah it's always uh, <laughs> like it's a typical story <laughs>
0: so he was a brit
2: yeah, he, he's English, yeah.
0: But this is past tense. Yeah, it's a past tense. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
2: we stayed together for 20 years, which is not bad. Oh, wow. Not bad. Okay, that's
0: <laughs> one whole lifetime.
2: Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> okay, so let's rewind and we'll get back to, I think, this kind of bouquet part of your life, but what about Taiwan? So where in Taiwan are you from? What kind of family are you from? Or what are your kind of memories growing up?
2: I'm from Taipei city center in Zhongzheng district. Okay.
0: Um, Um, Not far from here.
2: Yeah, not far from here. I lived right by a university, Zhongxing University. It's a small street right next to the university campus. So all my childhood, I was running around in the campus and trying to escape from the guard. We were like stealing erasers and, and chalks. and right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> causing trouble.
2: Yeah, causing trouble and then just having fun in the campus. That's my early childhood. I was the only child and my parents were from China. So we were living in the um, area where all the... Um,
0: Wai Shengran. Yeah, Wai really? Yes, okay. yes, yes. It's yeah. like the Chinese Taiwanese. Uh, right. But they were kind of discriminated against, especially back in those days. Was this still during martial law?
2: When I was a kid, we were still in martial law. Right. Yes. And I suppose the Taiwanese and the Chinese, we were quite segregated. Right. Yes. Okay.
0: So your neighborhood was all Chinese. Totally Chinese Chinese people. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah.
2: And each family is from a different province and they all had a different accent. So to me, I was like, what are you saying? What are you saying? (laughs) (laughs) It uh, took me a while to understand and everybody's accent. Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's super interesting. What yeah. about your family? Do you know about the roots, the Lao Jia of your family? Totally not. Oh. I
2: know nothing about it because my father was uh, working for the intelligence.
0: So he so couldn't- You're not allowed to know.
2: No. So <laughs> he didn't tell me anything at all. I kind of resented him for that because I wanted to know about my roots.
0: Your family. Right. right. Yeah, exactly. But he wouldn't- Talk no
2: that no, he wouldn't talk to me a lot almost nothing at all
0: it's interesting because i think it's pretty taiwanese culture anyways you know even nowadays a lot of my students have no idea what their parents do okay. the the last guest charlene who works on the same film as as yes. you the first kiss of the night yes. she also said that she has no idea really what her father does. Really? Okay, right. Interesting. So but I can imagine a person working for the intelligence yes. would be even harder.
2: Right. So <laughs> there was only one time he got really drunk. <laughs>
0: oh, the he truth says, serum. Yeah. Alcohol. A
2: little bit. He told me a little bit. He said, You know who I am? <laughs>
0: yeah, okay, tell you, oh, me. Oh, you know when that happens. <laughs> you know who I am. He said that.
2: Yeah. And, that's when I found out that he, he had many roles in his career, but one of the jobs was that he was one of the bodyguards of Zhang Kai-shek.
1: Ooh. That was
2: really interesting. Since then, I was like inspired. I wanted to be a spy.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: Pretty close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> Yeah, then when I grew up and I realized, oh, being a spy wasn't that you know glamorous. You right. have to be like look really ordinary, not like James Bond and Bond girls. Exactly, and you don't like, get any attention. No, exactly, you cannot draw any attention. Exactly. right. So I'll oh, forget about that. Forget about that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty hardcore. That's a pretty important job. Right, right, right. Back in those days, especially.
2: Sure. So uh I imagine, although I've never seen it, but I imagine he knows some Kung Fu or he's right. really good at it.
0: Yeah. And yeah. that makes a lot of sense. As yes. we alluded to in the beginning, and we will get to in a bit, but sure. you have a pretty deep kind of uh, love, fascination, and training with martial arts. Yes.
2: Yes. That's my biggest passion in my life. Yeah.
0: So it must run in the blood, possibly.
2: Must be. Must be. <laughs> wow.
0: Okay. That's super interesting, especially during martial law yes, as well. Right. So, huh. What about your mother? Was she just a housewife? She, she
2: was just a housewife. Okay. From what I can gather was that my father was from a very wealthy family but my mother was from a very poor family Mm. and my mother was older than him and they got married when they were in their teenagehood my dad was only like 15 she was like 18 so i think it's something like she came into the family to take care of the son
1: okay yes
2: so that's something quite common in those days Mm. that a younger boy got married to an older Older girl from a poor family, like a babysitter.
0: Right. So, yeah, so they yeah. could take care of this young, spoiled boy who will <laughs> become a powerful <laughs> right, uh, right. bodyguard.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think wow. something like that. Yeah. So they had their first son in China, but not long after that, they came to Taiwan and they never saw their son again. Oh. Right, I didn't know that until two years before my mother died. No way! Yeah, and I was kind, I was kind of offended because I thought all my life that I was the only one, but I'm not the (laughs) only one anymore.
0: That's crazy. How old were you at this time?
2: I was 29.
0: And that's pretty late. Yes. That's not like finding out in high school. No, exactly. But yeah. you're a full grown adult. Yes. yeah. And by that time you had gone abroad as well.
2: Yeah. And I finished my studies. I finished my studies when I was 27 and I, i wanted to stay in the uk because i wanted to be with boyfriend Mm. and then my dad say come back home we're old and that really kind of broke my heart so i decided to come back and my boyfriend followed me Mm. so we came back and not long after that my dad died and my mom died quite soon after because she was heartbroken
0: right oh wow. wow so
2: yeah so when i was 31 we came back for two three years and then uh, when I was 31, we both went back to the UK again.
0: Wow. And that's when she dropped the bombshell. When yeah. did, Was this also alcohol? Was she drunk and said, <laughs> <laughs> do you know who you are? <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, no. Well, I suppose it was because my dad didn't want her to tell me. And then my dad passed away. And so oh. she decided to tell me. And I have one, just one photograph of my mom uh, still in China holding a little boy. And I always ask my mom, so who is this kid? <laughs> this kid? <laughs> yeah, so she says, oh, it's a neighbor, neighbor. A, but key? I think that is my. Brother. That was your brother. Yeah.
0: So you have a brother out yeah, there, I actually. Yeah. Right.
2: Yes, and he is like 20 years older.
0: Oh, so crazy.
2: So I think he's very, he's very old. And a question people like always ask me is that, um, don't I want to go back and find out Mm. and find my roots? I think, um, losing my parents was something really big to me and i was devastated i still am in mm. a way and i just feel like this whole family thing is too much for me And yeah, i do not so emotional yeah so emotional like, i don't i don't need want another one
0: <laughs> <laughs> another roller coaster right 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 cuz that's a real roller coaster i mean you was, have yeah. never met each other and he probably has no idea you exist yeah i think right cuz yeah, if it yeah. weren't for that situation with your father dying and then your mother you might not have known no either exactly right yeah so he probably has absolutely no idea
2: no i don't think he knows that i
0: he was probably adopted very young and has no idea what his real family or maybe thinks his adoptive parents are his parents right yeah it's very possible
2: yeah exactly yeah so i don't know anything about
0: this is a movie in and of itself.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think um, for our generation, it's. I think it so. happens. I think so it was lot. quite common, right? Especially
0: right. among like the Guo Ming Dang, right? Who, yeah, era. Yeah. yeah, exactly.
2: So, so many tragedies.
0: How was that neighborhood like, you know, growing up with all these other Chinese families, everyone speaking a different, different kind of dialect, uh, yeah, Beijing and, and yes. like Dongbei and then Sichuan and right. so many it sounds super interesting and very diverse,
2: yes, I suppose there were many kids of my generation. I was the the youngest kid. So almost every day after school, we are just on the street, like about like 15, 20 kids all playing together. That's like by default every day. It's so much fun. Mm. So much fun playing all kinds of games together.
0: Did you ever experience that discrimination? I mean, you know, cause you guys were quite young at that time. Yes. So hopefully you were kind of insulated from that. But did you feel that? Like this kind of Taiwanese versus the Chinese born discrimination?
2: I didn't feel discriminated, but there was definitely a difference between segregation, between mm. the Taiwanese and Chinese. Of course, I'm sorry, it's very, it's not my philosophy, but I'm just talking about it as a matter of fact. Right, right, right. The, Ch- the Chinese, felt that there is some superiority mm. against the taiwanese that's how i felt okay. from the people around me right oh uh, it's so hard to even say it that um <laughs> that they they are less educated or less this Civilized and that or, yeah exactly yes. mm. I don't know. Uh, When I was younger, of course, I didn't know better. Mm. And that's what I was told. And that's how I felt
1: Mm. because, yeah. that's your environment.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when I grew up until I was like uh, late teens, I started to read some forbidden books. (laughs) Oh, those are the
0: best. (laughs) Right. (laughs) The the banned books.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. And then I really, really opened my eyes and, you know, thinking that, oh, maybe the people that I always thought were good, weren't good people. Mm. And yeah, and um, and the fact that we are all human beings, why someone who's more superior than the other? And that's when I decided that I didn't want to buy into this kind of things. And then um, I realized that KMT wasn't that As perf-
0: beautiful as their propaganda said at that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so
2: I challenged my dad and say, well, why are you working for this? Um,
0: this side, this cold, party,
2: corrupted, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then he said, um, "Well, I give you pocket money, right?" Oh. I said, "Yeah." And he said, "But KMT pays me salary. So, do you want your pocket money?" <laughs> <What>? <laughs>
0: That's that's a good philosophy. Yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, so I say, long live KMT. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're waving the flag outside. Yeah. I need pocket money.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally spineless. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, but it's yeah, it's very pragmatic, right? yeah I mean, A lot of these stories are, especially of these kind of allegiance or party, all throughout history. It's a lot of this is like this, right? Sure. We're just kind of born into a situation or a side or a family, and
2: yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's not that it's not totally up to them, right? Whether you like it or not, you gotta survive. You exactly. gotta do what you gotta do to survive. It's like. It's, many people. Right. Yeah.
0: Do you remember one of these band books? Do you remember the most influential band book or?
2: No, I don't. I don't remember the names. I just remembered um, I read about another side of KM. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't know if I should say that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I know. the spy family is uh, uh, is weighing on you heavily
2: yeah i might disappear <laughs> i have the podcast
0: <laughs> okay uh, we we will uh we'll have a search party if that happens right uh, right right. <laughs> right no i think it's a it's a different era yeah, it should yeah, be yeah. fine it yeah. should be fine but maybe about 20 years ago it would not be advisable Oh, no,
2: i wouldn't even <laughs> say it
0: <laughs> wow that's okay so that was your life growing up here in taipei in the middle of taipei that's Right. And Zhongzheng. So it's really the government area as yeah. well.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. That
0: makes a lot of sense. Yes. Did you ever meet Chiang Kai-shek? No. <laughs> <laughs> Did he come to your house oh, for dinner? No, no, no. Oh, unfortunately. No. Unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> you could have got more pocket money.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. My godfather was um, the general of the three armies
0: whoa yeah so that
1: was your godfather
0: I,
2: yes i remember the first time I went to my dad took me to visit them it was like um you know soldiers everywhere like guarding and then i got a big red envelope you did get a <laughs> that was the dao. whole point yeah <laughs> very thick <laughs> where
0: did you go did you go to the base or no this is their private home
2: the, their residence
0: the residence
2: like yeah like a um, big big house with uh,
0: Right, with a with a room full of hongbao that they- uh... yeah.
2: heavily guarded. Exactly. Yes.
0: And your dad was one of those guards.
2: <laughs> he was. Yeah.
0: Don't you know who he is?
2: <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> you figured it out at that right, time. Right, right, right. Wow, yeah. that's amazing. Okay. So you went to university in Taiwan? Yes. Okay. I
2: finished all my studies in Taiwan. I studied printing and photography, but at that time still the same. You need to pass the university entrance examination. I didn't do very well, so I didn't have many choices. The one I could get that was half interesting was uh, photography. Okay but it's a journalism school. So it's not like art school. And I really wanted, I was so excited that I wanted to do some artistic like photography, but it just got- It's more like
0: documentary news photography. Uh, Yeah. yeah.
2: So, so I was like disappointed. So when I finished my studies, I wanted to do, really do something mm. like design or art related. Yeah, so I went to France.
0: So that brought you to France. Yes. Okay. So why did you choose France?
2: I didn't want to go to the States like mm. everybody. I wanted to walk my own way. Walk your own walk. Yeah, okay. exactly. So I wanted to go to Europe. So it's either France or Italy. I chose France.
0: And had you spoken French at that time?
2: No, just some bad words. Just um, some <laughs> Bhutan. Okay. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> I see. Okay,
0: just the important words. Yes. Those are always the first. Oh uh, Yes, yeah, that to get you interested. That right? gets you interested, right. exactly. And then if you're serious, you got to move there.
2: Right, that's right. <laughs> okay,
0: so you went beyond the curse words. Yes. And you actually went to Nantes. Nantes. Do you remember what year was this?
2: In 91.
0: In 1991. Okay.
2: (laughs) It's very ancient, I know.
0: (laughs) So please look it up on Google, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what 1991 was like in Nantes yes so where is Nantes France
2: Nantes was on the west side of mm. France it's the capital of Loire d'Atlantique
0: it's like the Brittany region Brittany the Brittany, the-, the Loire river and the Loire yes. valley as well
2: that's right yes which really is beautiful. amazing beautiful I've been yeah. there oh, I yes.
0: went with one of my old students from NYU shout out to Vic not Victorian another good friend of mine but another Vic uh, and we went driving through the Loire Valley and checking out all the castles. It was, it's so beautiful. Yes. Amazing. So this is kind of at the end of the Loire Valley. Right, right towards the coast. Yes, that's right. Um, So what is Nantes like?
2: Nantes is a very bourgeois city. I think it's about half a million inhabitants. Uh, Really beautiful, really clean. I went there to study French as a foreign language for the first two years. Mm -hmm. (laughs) At the beginning, I was um, hanging out with all the Chinese, Taiwanese students. And um, then I realized that it doesn't get me to practice my French very often. So I Decided to um, to explore uh, to meet other people, so I became really good friends with six other girls. They are all from uh, Scandinavia, so I was always hanging out with them. And now, of course, I was the shortest one. <laughs> Scandinavians all like, are tall. Yeah. They're all like six foot tall, mm-hmm. and they can drink like twelve pints of beer. Right. Like really crazy. So I spend a lot of time um, getting drunk. I don't drink.
0: Oh. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah, you. yeah. You would have died.
1: Uh, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Just by drinking Coca Cola I got really high, you know? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay. so Kept me
2: going on for the whole night. Oh, yeah, really? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. A wild girl.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um we went to pubs and clubs and that's what I like to doing. And then, you know, if you're like foreign girls in France and teenage in the early 20s, mm. French guys, they want to talk to you. Oh, they are they very do. keen on like practicing their French, like yes. your French with them. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I. Like, Made a lot of progress in a very short time. <laughs> that,
0: that's usually how it works. Yeah, even if you're not drinking alcohol, if alcohol's around, it's yeah, good, right? right? And right. these social situations, and yes. then especially if there's some kind of sexual tinge to there, uh, it helps yes. with the inspiration.
2: Yeah, totally. Yeah. 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 Yeah, oh so goodness! <laughs>
0: but my question is, did your English or French improve quicker? Because I also am assuming that the Scandinavian girls they probably also spoke English.
2: Yes. So amongst us, we spoke English. Mm. But I already was able to speak English when I was in Taiwan. I see. Yes.
0: yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And why is that?
2: My dad sent me to one the Bushi Ban when I was okay. younger. I was eleven when he sent me to the Bushi Ban, and then I. I wasn't interested in learning English at all. And then um, I was like always chatting with my friends in class. And then um, my teacher asked me a question on purpose because then he knew that I wasn't paying attention. Right. So I was like, I didn't know what to answer. And I was like, totally in shock. And then he said something. He said, uh, your answer is totally not what the question was right. about.
0: It's unrelated.
2: Yeah. And that's a proverb in, in Chinese. I was like so impressed that he could say that.
0: Oh, this was a foreigner, actually. yeah. He
2: was a, yeah, yeah he's a, I yeah, see. he's a foreigner. So I was so impressed and I got so ashamed.
0: Oh, that's interesting.
2: And then I decided, right, I'm going to, to get learn serious, English. yeah, yeah, yeah. And ever since I studied so hard
0: because this foreigner like busted out with a Cheng Yu, yes, exactly. Right. Yeah,
2: that's how I started to get serious about my.
0: That's that's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, it was cool. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I see. <laughs> and then fast forward, you're in Daunt, and your French explodes as you are playing around. Yeah, <laughs> fooling <laughs> around.
2: Yes, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I spent two years learning French. There were six levels, so, so I finished all the levels, and then I was either going to study architecture or industrial design. I didn't get into the architecture school. Mm. <laughs> So I I went to the industrial design school and it turned out to be one of the best in France. So it wasn't wasn't a loss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Very nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So you did a four year bachelor degree there in-
2: I did only two years and then I transferred to Cardiff to finish the other two
0: Love pulled you away.
2: Right, yeah. (laughs) And um, uh, my headmaster in, in Nantes was like, Are you completely crazy? Our school is like one of the best, but you are moved, transferring away.
1: To
0: Cardiff.
2: Yeah, it's a
1: <laughs> Yeah, and the
0: French don't like that. No. If you pick the UK over France, that's that's a huge no no. That is the insult. Historically, yes. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible.
2: Right. But I was so determined. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow.
0: The British won. Yes. <laughs> Wow. So this Brit, he was a foreign student at your same school.
2: Yes. He was an exchange student. So I I was, you know, French people, they speak English, but they don't want to.
0: Exactly. So
2: I volunteered to take care of the two English exchange students. So I really took care of one of them.
0: (laughs) You did your job very well. (laughs) That's very French of you. (laughs) <laughs> amazing yeah, yeah, yeah okay what happened to the other one you totally just forgot about the other oh
2: you tried but I wasn't
1: interested <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh that's hilarious okay <laughs> So what was your best memory from this two-year stint? Oh, it's maybe more than two years, right? Because it was the first two years of studying yeah, French, French, and then and two, then years, two of years of the
1: college. Yeah, yeah,
2: it's brilliant. I really love this school. You know, like in Taiwan, like going to the university is like uh, you finish all the vigorous studies till high school,
0: and then you just give up on life.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and you just start partying. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. So, but this French school was so serious, and they say that you have to dress properly like a designer, although Mm. you're just a student. So every day, like guys, they will wear their shirt and tie. Girls all dress like properly. Uh, mm. To go to school, you have to regard yourself as a designer and people are really serious. The studies is really interesting. So we have one project, one design project each month. And then you have to uh, make a model in the end and do presentation. It was the early days in the nineties. Right. Mm. So, um, there was no, oh, it's, uh, we didn't use computer at that time. So.
1: How do you do that? <laughs>
2: So like with a presentation board we have to use something called letter set. Ooh. It's um it's like a scratch card. So like you have letters from A to Z and then you scratch the letters onto the presentation board.
0: Wow. Yeah,
2: the word letter by letter
0: to make a presentation.
2: Yeah. And you wow. staying up like for at least a week just to do the presentation. That's pretty old school. That, that's very, big. and do the, all the technical drawing with a with pen and
0: a right. ruler and everything. That's good though, I think. Cause we kind of yeah. lost that, you know, that tactile art, right?
2: Right, of... so I think your old your skills are solid. Mm. Right, right, right. Can...
0: <laughs>
2: it's very old. Is that how you yeah. do
0: PowerPoint nowadays? <laughs> You're like, no, let me do it. I just want to, I'm going to, I'm going to carve in this. Yes. Uh,
2: <laughs> <laughs> like early days of printing, like you should have to carve the wood. <laughs>
0: exactly. The wood blocks first. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then, they and then stamp them all and then print them. <laughs> oh, wow. That's yeah. okay.
2: Right, right. So yeah, we started from, yeah, that era. Mm. Yeah,
0: yeah. And it was industrial design. Industrial design. So do you remember some kind of like projects that you were working on?
2: Yeah. So that was just before, just the early days of digital camera. So we had, uh, I remember we, we designed one project for digital camera and like radio, like portable radio. There's a French fountain pen. Brand mm. called Waterman.
0: Oh, of course, yes. very famous. Yes, right. Waterman. Yeah. yeah.
2: So Waterman was our sponsor. So we designed a project for uh, if you have a different concept for fountain pen. Right. Yeah. Okay. Things like that.
0: Okay. So Cardiff. Cardiff. Yeah. So you follow love. Yes. And you go to Cardiff. Yes. How was that transition going to Cardiff from France?
2: It's fun. I just thought those years of like being a student abroad was totally fun mm. for me. I wasn't shy or anything, right? Right. If I made a mistake, made a fool out of, of myself, I laugh with everybody, right? because it's funny. Mm. So uh, I went to Cardiff and of course the Welsh people, they have a very strong Welsh accent mm. when they speak. English. So this
0: is in Wales, yes, for those it, who do not know.
2: Right, in right. Wales. So I went there and then I thought my English was very good. How come I don't understand the word? Oh,
0: <laughs> yes. The Welsh <laughs> yeah. accent.
2: Yeah. So they have a very strong accent. And they're really proud of their language. So everything is bilingual. And if you go to a proper Welsh bar, you know, the toilet signs. They are in Welsh. So I was like, um... I have to like 50, 50 chance. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so of course I went into the wrong one. <laughs> of course, of course. Yes. Oh goodness. Yeah.
0: How many times did you go in the wrong one? Uh-huh.
2: Before- and then I started to, to decide to go to the wrong one on purpose. On per-
0: <laughs> <laughs> I can't read. I can't read the Welsh. <laughs>
1: yeah. Your language is too difficult.
2: Mm, okay, nice <laughs> view. <laughs> no. Yeah, wow. yeah. Um, Cardiff was interesting. Um, It was very violent. Very violent. I've never seen so many street fights in my life. And uh, I walk on the street, and you will see like 15, 20 people all running after each other with bats and bottles. And yeah, it's so crazy.
0: This is in 1991. No, Uh,
2: 95 to 97.
0: 95 to 97. Yes. Cardiff was just a bunch of hooligans. (laughs) And it wasn't because there was a football game going on. Uh, This is uh, just daily life.
2: uh, Yeah, that was daily life. But when there was a football (laughs) or rugby game, yeah, you are not advised to go out.
0: Oh, really? Mm. They literally have like warnings. (laughs) They have like government (laughs) siren. (laughs) The game is going on, stay at home.
2: Yes, no, it's not that, but you you just wouldn't want to go out.
0: That's intense.
2: Yeah, like there was one time we all went clubbing and then one of the guys was uh, lagging in the back. And then we all went back to one of our friends' home to continue partying. Mm. And then he was just not turning up. And then we decided to go out to have a look. We opened the door. he was on the floor outside and trying to knock on the door and get our attention because he had shaved head, oh. but he wasn't skinhead, but he was just walking on the street and got picked on by some people random anti-skinhead
0: gang yeah. beat him up.
2: Beat him up just for no reason.
0: Whoa, yeah. that's crazy. Yeah,
2: people are quite violent. <laughs>
0: so how many fights did you get into?
2: No, 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 no.
0: Not not yet. (laughs) Not yet. (laughs) (laughs) That comes later. Yeah. (laughs) But last time we talked, you had also mentioned Bristol.
2: So I studied in Cardiff. And after I finished my studies, I came back to Taiwan briefly for a couple of years. Mm. And then when we went back to the UK, we decided to go and live in Bristol. Yeah, because when we were in Cardiff, we always went to Bristol to go clubbing. It it wasn't very far. Okay. Uh, Yeah. And Bristol was such a cool city. So it's very artistic, very political. So many design agencies. We study design. So uh, we decided to go to Bristol.
0: So... How was Bristol for you? What are your best memories from that time?
2: Bristol, I really love Bristol because it's so artistic. You know, Banksy.
0: Mm, Yeah, Banksy
2: is from Bristol.
0: Oh, I see. Okay. So
2: Bristol has a very vibrant graffiti art Mm. culture. Every graffiti that you see on the wall is just so creative, so high-end. Every year you have graffiti art festival and inviting, you know, famous graffiti artists around the world to do like three, Four story high pieces, hmm. really, really beautiful. That's what I love about Bristol, it's just so artistic, and the music scene is really good. Hmm. Yeah, so got okay. massive attack and.
0: Oh, so it's like a perfect place for a young graduate.
2: Yeah, arts. Arts graduate, right.
0: So were you able to kind of explore these artistic needs of yours that were kind of, you know, building since you were in Taiwan? Now it seems like, you know, you have graduated with a degree. Were you able to kind of pursue those endeavors?
2: The music side is uh, more for my ex-husband. He's a a turntablist, okay, hip-hop turntable. In Taiwan, he was signed. By oddweiser Oh, he was in a band with two other people. One of them is uh, Marcus Aurelius.
0: Yeah, famous DJ famous here DJ. in yeah. Taiwan.
2: Yes, he stayed and we left. Yeah.
0: Wow. So, um, so this is like deep Taiwanese history here, right? For the Taiwan heads. Yes. What yeah. year was this?
2: So it was um, 97 to 2001.
0: So yeah. your boyfriend at the time, the love of your life, yes, was a DJ yeah. turntableist. Yes. Marcus Aurelius was, 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 was
2: He was um he, he was rapping. He was yeah. rapping. Yeah, yeah. And then there was another guy he did some rap as well. Uh, Marcus did MC as well. Yeah, so three of them they were touring Taiwan. DJ and rapping okay. in, in nightclubs.
0: I see. Yeah. What was the name of this group?
2: It's called the Triple Stage of Darkness. The
0: Triple Stage <laughs> of Darkness.
2: So funny. That sounds like
0: heavy metal uh, or Right, something.
2: right, 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 right. But yeah. But it they was, were actually um, rapping. Yeah, yeah. It was oh, fun. Oh,
0: no way. <laughs> That's amazing.
2: So yeah, we went back to Bristol, and then my ex he continued doing his uh, turn his music, his music, hip hop, and I was just doing design. At the beginning, I designed for agencies, and then I became freelancer, and uh, I had my own clients, and I've been just doing freelance design work ever since until today.
0: So we also mentioned from the outset and how I connected with you as well is through our previous guest, Jay Triangular, who has a film called The First Kiss of the Night. And she mentioned this amazing choreographer that she found who's a Shaolin master and was talking about your martial arts credentials. So where does martial arts come into the picture? We also hinted at it with your scary bodyguard of a father. So (laughs) where does martial arts come into the picture?
2: Yes, I have always been um, interested in martial arts, but have always been discouraged.
1: Mm.
2: When I was a teenager, one of my best friends was a Taekwondo Taiwanese champion. And then I always say, Oh, I want to learn martial arts. And he said, Ah, it's too late for you. If you don't start from childhood, you can never become the champion, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. And my dad never encouraged me either. But you know, I love those Jackie Chan movies.
0: Mm-hmm, of course, I doesn't? always
2: wanted to like be a part of it. Every time I came out of the movie cinema, yeah, you I just almost, like, like start throwing punches on, yeah, <laughs> punching everybody. Yeah. yeah,
0: Jet Li too. Right. Jet Li, Jackie Chan, yeah, yeah, all that amazing.
2: Yeah. So and then until I was in my thirties, I decided that's when I realized I don't want to be a world champion. Mm. I just want to just do something. Kick I want. people's butt.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
2: I just want to do some things I like to do. Hmm. So I decided that's when, you know, my parents passed away and then I had no baggage anymore. So I decided to do whatever I like to do and be whoever I want to be. Right. So that's when I decided to um, to start learning martial arts. And I like things that are practical and straight to the point. And of course the influence of my dad, like being a bodyguard, I want to learn. Also because I don't have family, so I always have to take care of myself. Right. So, so I feel like I want to learn something that is practical. So I went to learn Krav Maga. Krav Maga was the first thing I-, I You learned. went straight to the source,
0: <laughs> to, the the to the soul.
2: Yes, yes. <laughs> and so it was- um called British Krav Maga Association and the instructor himself he came from a military background and a lot of the students were from military either trying to get into the army or the royal marine or the retired marines or mercenaries so the the guys there were all like really big guys yeah, yeah huge
0: killers basically
2: yes they could just kill me like with their small with finger. With their pinky. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs>
0: That's the school you want to join. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, and people can't see you. This is a podcast, but you're not the tallest, the biggest.
2: No, woman. I'm only five foot two. Right. 157 centimeters, very small. Yes.
0: Right. Yeah,
2: but you know, small people have advantage. We are fast. We might not- yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was pairing up with a guy who was a rugby player. And then, yeah, so he's like more than six foot tall, like 190 centimeters. I basically like charged in and clinched on him and then went to the back mm. and then just climbed on his back. And I was ready. Yeah, I didn't do it, of course, but I could just like elbow him to the top of his head and I could.
0: Wow, Do some damage, just, right. right? So
2: I, I did that just within a couple of seconds and he was like, oh, where are you? Where are you? Like, no way, yeah.
0: you just climbed on him like a monkey.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so small people have advantage. So basically we have to be vicious. So I fight dirty.
0: Yes, so that's Krav Maga, right? Right, Krav Maga is an Israeli martial arts developed for the IDF, which is a pretty infamous another governmental agency, right? Israeli Defense Forces.
2: Oh, these words just turn me (laughs) on.
0: It is derived from a combination of techniques using Aikido, Judo, Karate, Boxing, and Wrestling. It is known for its focus on real-world situations and its extreme efficiency.
2: Yes, yes. So basically uh, Krav Maga takes the best bits of all the martial arts.
0: Mm, And just go directly. Yes. Dirty. Yeah. It's okay. It's encouraged in Krav Maga.
2: Right, so we do like knife defense, stick defense, choke defense, or Choke from the front, choke from the side, choke from the back. And what if it's bear hug and da da da, all kinds. Mm. So every class, it's just something different, something new. It's just so interesting to me. To me, it was just so much fun. It, it's like in Jackie Chan's movie without mm. being in the movie, right? Right,
0: right, 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 <laughs> right. Exactly. Because those are the kinds of scenes they like too. Yeah. And then just like go for the. Yeah. If you're small as well, you can just go directly. <laughs>
2: without kicking too high, exactly. right? Exactly, right you can there. go straight to the point. <laughs> and especially those guys are and so tall. a big tall, guy. Yeah, right? yeah, But yeah, there yeah. is
0: a vulnerable area for men. Yeah. No matter how big they are. <laughs> right.
2: Right. But the thing is, you have to do it with a conviction.
0: That's true, because if you, you can't screw that up. Then the guys will get very pissed off. Yeah, it's so true.
2: Then they will punch you even harder. So if you go for it, you have to go 100%.
0: So you always go 100%.
2: Ah, we were training, so I cannot go 100%, you know?
0: (laughs) (laughs) But in your mind.
2: Yes. (laughs)
0: That's crazy. So Mm -hmm. you really were sparring as well.
2: Yes, so the sparring style is almost like MMA style. So uh, we do stand-up. When we do stand-up, we use boxing gloves. Mm. When one of the two is on the ground, we stop in that position. And then the instructor comes to take off your boxing gloves and you fight. Oh, and
0: then you just start fighting on the ground. On the
2: ground, like grappling.
0: Right, yeah. So
2: yeah, it's really fun. I was the only girl who was willing to spar. So I was the only girl who spar with the guys. And so the instructor told the guys, of course you don't go 100% with me, right, but only like 60, 70% depending on how big they are. Mm. And then just so, so that I could kind of break and then continue the fight until like, I'm just like too exhausted. Until you're done. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so of course I've <laughs> never submitted any guys mm. except one. Ooh. I always love talking about that <laughs> poor guy. <laughs>
0: Oh, we apologize in advance to yeah. you, sir. The one man who was submitted oh, by, yes. by this wonderful, peaceful Buddhist, <laughs> Nortso Tenjing.
2: <Yeah>,
0: always <laughs> Breathe. with good, good intention. Good intentions. <laughs> yes. You, with pe- compassion. With compassion, you fuck some guy up.
2: Oh, yes. So <laughs> that was because I was just so... Um, Vicious. So uh, we were both on the ground for some reason. I don't remember anymore. He decided to stand up. And then the moment he turned his back towards me, I was like a jumping spider. I just jumped on his back and then start to uh, do Did the a rare, 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 rare naked, naked joke. choke. And I didn't know that he's not very tall but mm. he's quite big, wide. Okay. So he's got a very thick neck. Right. So I didn't know that it was actually very hard to choke a guy
0: right with like a yeah, like Yo, a tree trunk of a neck.
2: Yeah, so even with the full choke, it took me like some I don't know, 10, 15, 20, I don't know how many, quite long to choke and then my <laughs> biceps were injured like for 2 weeks.
0: Oh wow. Yeah. Wow. So but I was so, so hard Yeah, to out.
2: Yeah, yeah, it was so funny. Um, But I cho- he tapped, so I just like let him go. And then I just heard one of the big guys say, ooh, vicious.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he didn't try to like gouge your eyes out or something? Oh,
2: no, 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 he, then he tapped and I was so happy. I was so happy.
0: That's amazing. Did he pass out? Did he get no. knocked out? Okay, no, no, he no. tapped he it taps, and you let okay. go. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: That's not vicious enough. You should have just held on one Ooh, second longer. I like mm. your thinking. <laughs> 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 exactly <laughs> just you know just yeah. wait till the ref pulls you off you know yeah wow so you know i know that because i'm a huge uh martial arts fan as well we talked about that before sure do you watch martial arts as well you know like ufc one championship other kind of
2: yes uh ufc is my thing oh yeah yeah so i've been watching it since the 90s not that often but i started watching it seriously uh, from the early 2000s. But you know, of course there are so many great fighters, but my one and only love is of course GSP.
0: Oh, you like those Canadian boys. (laughs) Those clean cut, very beautiful man. He's a very beautiful human being.
2: I like him. One of the biggest reasons is because he is um,
0: George Saint Pierre.
2: Yeah, George Saint Pierre. He's he's a good role model. Trash talk is fun, but some people trash talk and it's not that nice. But he's <laughs> all, he has a good ethics, right? Right. So that's that's what I like about him.
0: Right. Yeah, I mean, he's yeah. a he's a sweetie. Yes. He, but he's a killer. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's that's what the, you love. Yes.
2: Exactly. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you like that kind of contrast, right yes. I understand, yes, I understand, <laughs> so what about maybe recently Stephen Wonderboy Thompson oh. He's also, you know, a very very pretty man, very cute guy. uh, Extremely polite, very well spoken.
2: That's right, Um, yes. But
0: he he can kick. He's a he's a karate, you know, karate stance. Yes, yes. And he's pretty he's pretty vicious in there.
2: Right. Um, I I like Holly Hong.
0: Holly Hong okay. she's a sweetheart. Preacher's daughter. Yes, 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 exactly.
2: Especially, you know, she defeated um, Ronda, Ronda Rousey? Rousey. Oh, yes.
0: that was a vicious head kick. Oh yes. You saw that? Yeah, I saw that. Live. Yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> Did you jump up and scream? Uh,
2: uh, no, I didn't. Okay. <laughs> in my head, in my head. In your head. Yeah. It's always in your head. You yes. are a
0: peaceful Buddhist, yes. but there's a lot going on in your head. That's right. Like yeah, a lot of crazy me. things. Yeah, that's me. People only knew. <laughs> now they know, now they know a little bit. Yeah. When they see you, they're like, what's going on? I'm an introvert. Oh, really? (laughs) Yes, although you don't don't think so. But I'm very shy. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Okay, so this is Krav Maga. How long did you practice?
2: Uh, About five years. Okay. Yes, and then... Because every session you bruises, it's just default. I got so many injuries. And then I decided, uh, okay, maybe uh, I'm getting older. So uh, I just should do something more internal about self-practice instead of like fighting. Mm. Uh, I was looking for something else. I actually tried uh, Muay Thai. I love everything about martial arts, except running. I hate running (laughs) and uh, maybe all Muay Thai. I don't know, but particularly that school they always begin with running two huge laps. I was like, right. Oh, all right for sure.
0: oh, <laughs> that was it oh, for that, Muay Thai.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I learned for a few months. And, although I love elbows and knees and right. all that. Yeah, I love it. But okay, I'll try something else. And then I went to try uh, Silat. Silat is like a like stick and knife. So that's very direct and very violent.
1: Exactly. So I
2: love that practical. as well. Right. So I followed one master. He was teaching in Bristol and Cardiff. So whenever he had a seminar, I, I went. So I followed him for some years. He didn't teach like a school like every day. So he only run seminars. So mm. whenever he had a seminar, I went. So I did that for a few years. But then it was when I found out that there was a Shaolin, genuine Shaolin warrior monk teaching in Bristol and I was thinking who can be more genuine than him?
0: Someone from Shaoling? Yes. From Hunan. Right. That's intense.
2: Yeah, so he went to Shaolin Temple uh, when he was like four years old and then became a master when he was 18. And he was one of the baddest ass.
0: Straight up from the mountains of, of Henan. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah.
2: So um, he was um, Shaolin Temple. They do performance around the world to promote Shaolin culture. Right. And um, so he was the team leader. To tour around the world.
0: Oh. So
2: they were the first team to do performance internationally. And then when they went to UK to do the show. That's where he met the love of his life. He met a Chinese girl mm. and he decided to leave this team and to stay in the UK. And then he just followed the girl and the girl went to Bristol to study in the university. And then, so they both went there and then he opened a school there. Mm. So I thought, of course, that uh, he, he's the most genuine person you can find for Kung Fu, right? right. So I went to him, and then the, it was a big adjustment. Everybody was calm and quiet and disciplined right. in the class, not like in Kraft Maga, it's like a terrestrial camp, and everybody <laughs> was
0: like people screaming, yeah. ah!
2: and just, like Weapons swearing, coming out, yeah. 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 <laughs>
0: Exactly. This so, is a complete opposite Totally, art.
2: Totally. I was most noisy one, you know, like, I didn't know. I thought it was all the same. So I was like swearing <laughs> and shouting and all that. And then until- the original
0: Shaolin is very connected to Buddhism as well, yes. right? It's a very religious kind of martial art. But, but you came in as this-
2: Like, whoa, like that. <laughs> So, um, after a couple of weeks, and my master just couldn't stand me anymore, <laughs> he said he just like pulled me aside and then I had to work. Lectured with you me. a little. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, calm down a little bit. <laughs> wow.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: So, but it was totally a brand new experience. When I was a kid, I did a gymnastics, and Shaolin is very acrobatic. Yes. So, it wasn't totally new to me. So a mm. lot of jumping, flipping, and flying, kicking, all right. that. So it was fun for me. It was like going back to my childhood right. in a way. So my uh, weapon of choice was the staff. Oh, my, your my. weapon
0: of choice yeah, was yeah. A long yeah. stick, the staff.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I specialized in that. So I really spent many years just by myself to practice uh, staff. And then in 2014, I competed in 2014 was an international competition. 2017, I competed in British um, martial arts competition, hmm. national competition. Oh, wow. And I practiced three years solid by myself.
0: For that competition. For that
2: competition. No way. Yeah, I went through so much pain and struggle. You know, like emotional, emotional like, turmoil, struggle, yeah, struggle, and all that. You know, because you carry to be very so much. Yes, carry so much pain, physical pain, and then still have to get up the next day and Fight keep going. It. Yes. Yes. That really taught me a lot. You know, in life as well. Right. Yeah. So I think martial arts is really so beneficial in so many ways. Put the joke society right yes so I apply that to my life as well mm. you know when you go through hardship just keep plowing through and you will see the end of the tunnel yeah things like that
0: so how was this tournament what was that experience like?
2: Itself was uh, quite an experience because I was told that my turn was uh, around 1 p.m. So I started to warm up like I didn't want to eat, have lunch, have a full stomach. So I I didn't eat and then started warming up and up till 1 p.m. And it was quite disorganized, that competition. Mm. So I didn't compete until it was 5 (laughs) p.m.
0: That's very disorganized. Oh
2: my God. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So I had to keep warming up, warming up and have it getting more and more hungry. So it, oh, it the experience terrible. itself was a mental
0: Right, a test, test. basically. Test. Right. Yeah,
2: yeah. So I finally did it and I was the champion. <laughs> Whoa, yes. really? yeah, I got the gold.
0: No yes. way. Yes, yes. For what?
2: For long weapon. The division was long weapon. Long
0: weapon. Long weapon. And it's all Shaolin or it's-
2: Chinese martial arts.
0: Chinese Chinese martial arts, long weapon division. Yes. You won the gold medal. Yes. In
2: 2017. 17. That's
0: amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Wow. Congratulations. Thank
2: you. Thank you.
0: Oh my goodness. I'm scared now. No, there (laughs) was only a stick. (laughs) Wow. So where is this gold medal of yours?
2: Oh, um, In my drawer. In your
0: drawer.
2: (laughs) I'm so humble. I don't hang it up. Exactly.
0: (laughs) You don't show it to every guest that comes over.
2: Oh, I do. (laughs) Oh, you do? (laughs) And then put it back nicely. And then put it back (laughs) humbly. Yes, humbly. (laughs) That's
0: amazing. Yeah.
2: So in 2014, that was another competition. That was Shaolin competition. Mm. And every two years, they do a competition in a different country. And that year was in London. So that was a big competition. It was international. So there were uh, 16 countries and there were about 400 competitors. But of course, like in different divisions.
0: Of course, yeah. 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 Oh wow!
2: So I did a form. Oh, a I see. A form. Okay. Like and I wore kata like a yeah kata right. And I got a silver.
0: Oh, for that. Okay. Also with the the long.
2: No, it, no, it was just a kata. Okay. Yeah. No weapon. I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And do you have like a specific style? You know, because I think people who kind of watch these Jackie Chan movies might think there's like a monkey. Style, or you know, kind of encapsulating a different animal or something like this.
2: I don't, but you know, the reason why martial art is called art Mm. is because it's interpreted differently by each individual, each martial artist, and my master, the way he interprets forms when he does every form he says you have to do it like you mean it so it's not just like like not just
0: going through the motions
2: right but every punch every every strike you have to imagine that you are like do punching it.
0: through someone. Yeah, 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 right. yeah.
2: So we do it like that. And although each form lasts only about one minute, and when you finish the form, it's like hit, you know, high intensity. Right, into, oh, I see, H-I-I-T. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So, oh my God. <laughs> You're just totally exhausted. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's how we I do a form. Okay, so good
0: enough to get a silver medal.
2: Yes, oh wow.
0: Humble <laughs> tension. <tangent.
2: laughs> Wow. So which (laughs) one
0: is more meaningful to you, this silver medal in the international competition or this gold medal a couple years later, which is in kind of a more practical form, right? Yes. I mean you're actually using a weapon.
2: Right. The second one, the staff. Just because the amount of time I invested and the whole journey and all the um, internal struggle or uh, all the ups and downs and I, I was living in a very small flat. Mm. And, and you know, in the UK it rains all the time. You don't always get Go outside to exactly. practice. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So um, with staff, the proper way of doing it, you have to do it really close to the body. So I was in a very small uh, apartment mm. and every time I practice, I have to push all my furniture away and do it in a very small space, right. which is perfect.
0: That's yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was going to say that's a perfect environment.
2: Exactly. So although I had all the scratches on the wall and on, on the, ceiling the ceiling and all that, but But it
0: forces you to have very compact, efficient motions.
2: Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was such an experience for me. I spent so many years, and then I finally got the result I wanted. Wow. So that was... um,
0: Does that experience rate high just in terms of your life as well, in terms of accomplishments?
2: Of course, of Mm. course, yeah. From the moment I decided to be who I wanted to be until Mm. I got a gold medal. So it's like a full circle. So I finally proved myself.
0: Right. Prove yourself to yourself and yes. to anyone else. Yes. Right.
2: You know, with the um, Chinese martial arts competitions, in the competition, most of the people who perform well are Asians. It's mm. kind of logical. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And most of the people are Chinese people. Right. So when I was a Taiwanese person, I was like, oh. yes. <laughs>
0: Oh, yes. Yes. So I was Were really Were you like the only Taiwanese Taiwan, yeah, champion? I
2: was, yes, I was the only one. Right. Yeah, so I for that reason I felt really good about myself. As right. Well.
0: That's another another deeper meaning for you. Yes, yes, yes. That's impressive. That's super cool. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> yeah. So have you ever had a chance to visit the original Shaolin Temple No, or go I to haven't. Or? No, I haven't. Oh, okay. No, okay.
2: But that's something I should do. That's definitely.
0: A, that's a goal of yours in life. Yes, and for you, sure. You have to. Yes. You have to bring your gold and silver medal there too. <laughs> humbly. Humbly.
2: <laughs> they wouldn't even look at that.
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Who
2: am I over there? <laughs> like, <laughs> right. But Shaolin Temple and visiting the Dalai Lama, they
0: are the Oh, yes. those are two kind of bucket list things. Yes, for sure. For that sure. are still to come. Yes. For right. Sure. Yes. You can uh you can kind of hear Mocha. <laughs>
2: I was wondering what. <laughs> yeah, <I> was, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Mocha just lapping up her water behind me peacefully. <laughs> yes, she is thirsty. <laughs> wow. Okay. So. Then I think that brings us to Jay Triangular's movie, The First Kiss of the Night. Yes. So yes. what are you tasked to do in this film?
2: Right. So um, there are three things I have to choreograph. Mm. One is their forest training scene. So Jay described uh, how they envision the scene was going to be is like panning the camera, like 360 degrees. And wherever the camera points to the person has to do one thing. So I'm planning on 10 different moves. And so I'm going to teach one move to one person. And then that person just do.
0: 10 different people or? 10
2: different people. And then I think they're going to have a group uh, training scene so they are all going to do something together right. so i'm planning on teaching them one move so they do it all together so that's one thing and then another one is the main one is the good versus evil is the big sister 13 versus the uh, exorcist
0: right shout out to missy hyper yes uh, future guest right okay yes
2: right interesting yeah she she's a very interesting individual exactly yes. yeah we're yeah. looking
0: forward to Right. chatting it up on the mic.
2: Awesome, yeah. awesome.
0: So you will be choreographing her.
2: Yeah, uh, to fight against the exorcist, the man, the father. She's the good one. Yes.
0: She will be fighting evil.
2: Yes, so of course the good will win
1: of course.
0: eventually. Yes.
1: Right,
2: and then the third scene will be a group fight. So they are going to be busy doing all kinds of different things. So I'm watching loads of group fight movies. movies, Yeah. And watching them.
0: Studying the choreography. Yeah.
2: One of my students back in England is an actor, and he has been in some movies uh, doing fight scenes. Mm. So I've been discussing with him. And then um, he was giving me some tips of how to choreograph.
0: Mm, Right. We skipped that part because you just mentioned that one of your students, Yes. you also taught.
2: Yes, a little bit.
0: Yeah. Can you explain about that?
2: Sure. So I was following this uh, Shaolin master for many years, and when he and his fiancé decided to move to Ireland, he left the school to me and my then boyfriend. Mm. My boyfriend was uh, his protege.
0: Oh, right. So he. Oh, so this is different from the first love. Yes. <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> okay. A new boyfriend. A new He's boyfriend. The yeah. pro- protege. Protege of this Shaolin monk. Yes. Master.
2: So uh, he left the school. To To us, We took over the school and we taught for about five years. And we also taught in the Bristol University Chinese Martial Arts uh, Society. So these are the two places we taught.
0: How was that experience of kind of running a a dojo, you know, martial arts center? I'm sure there was a lot of challenges as well, ups and downs, and um, probably some amazing memories as well.
2: Yes, of course. I always wanted to teach martial arts. I just thought it was so cool. It's kind of logical to to teach. Mm. So I put my design career kind of on one side and just focus on martial arts. Hmm. But then I realized, oh my God, um, if you want to be the teacher, every move you demonstrate has to be on point. So we had like 13 hours of classes every week. And on top of that, you have to practice yourself. Right. So I was like, oh my god. I even had difficulty to walk upstairs, like because my legs were all just my muscles were just so sore. I was like, I hope nobody picks a fight with me because <laughs> I'll be like, Hold on a second, I gotta stretch first. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Students, take over. Please yeah. Protect me. <laughs> right. Show me what you can do.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so I realized that and all the gears we had to like carry all the pads and gloves and right. everything. It was really hard work. But of course the re- Reward you get from teaching the students and we had some students like were ex alcoholic,
1: Mm. you know,
2: they, and seeing them becoming better and better Mm. and become more confident and more healthy. That's just so rewarding. Yeah. So that's the good part of teaching martial arts for sure.
0: So you did this for how many years? Five years, five years, five years. And then,
2: um, It was um, when COVID broke out and all the schools had to stop and all the group activities had to stop and all that.
0: So the UK pretty much just shut down.
2: Shut down. Everything was stopped.
0: So you had to close up shop? Yes. Okay.
2: Like many schools and pubs and restaurants, everything had to stop. Nothing was happening. So I decided to come back to Taiwan. And Mm. that was when I was offered a website design project. One of my clients was the curator for Taiwan Biannual. I've been running, managing his website for over 20 years, and he was one of my first clients. And then uh, he wanted me to design the website for Taiwan Biannual. So I thought that um, that was a good timing to come back to reconnect with my roots. And then, yeah, wow. so that's uh, another chapter of my life.
0: This is very interesting because it seems from this kind of trajectory, this narrative arc of your life, that you've been away for quite a bit of time. Yes. How long had it been at that time when you came back?
2: So after my parents passed away and I went, back, well, I went back to Bristol, I was the only child and I had no family in Taiwan anymore. So I didn't feel the need of coming back. Mm. You know, My friends could come to visit me in UK or we meet somewhere in Europe, right?
0: Mm. It's more fun. Mm.
2: So I hadn't come back to Taiwan for 20 years.
0: 20, 20 years. years.
2: That's a long time.
0: That is a long time.
2: So even if I had a child, it's like, it's an adult. Also. Right. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Right.
0: <laughs> How did that feel? Did you have any kind of interesting feelings? Did you have a sense of reverse culture shock perhaps? I think the country, I mean, you know, Taiwan changed so much over right. those 20 years yes. as well, physically. Yes, yes. yes. Right.
2: So... It was so emotional when I arrived at the airport, when I was going through the conveyor belt. Oh, I was was crying my eyes out. You know, I was finally back home. Right. But, you know, home without a home. Right. So that was probably the biggest reason I didn't want to come back. It was because- You didn't have a home
0: to come home to. Exactly. Just the whole island. Right. Which is kind of scary, right? Because it's like, where do I- Where do I go? Where do
2: I- Yes, yes. So yeah, so it was really emotional. So I first had to go through quarantine and then I decided to move to Danshui because it's just um, somewhere that I could have a beautiful view. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. So- Close
0: enough to Taipei. Yeah,
2: close enough to Taipei. If you take the train,
0: (laughs) don't drive. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I live right next to MRT so which right. is convenient. But I didn't recognize anything anymore. It could have been another country but it's just like it speak the same language. That's it. Right. right. Yeah. So it's totally foreign to me in a way, but so familiar as well. So it's very- um,
0: Mixed emotions. Yes,
2: mixed emotions. Right. So I had to like build my friends again.
0: Right, from scratch. From
2: scratch, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Of course there were like some old friends and from long, long time ago, but they all had families and Mm. they all had their friends and their circles. So it's not the same anymore. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. so um, I just happened to find Taiwan Impact Entrepreneur on my Facebook. And then I was like, what's that? And then I started to connect and network with uh, foreign entrepreneurs in Taiwan. Mm. And I really felt like I belong to this circle. So and
0: this is Taiwan Impact Entrepreneurs, TIE. TIE. Can you explain a little bit about this organization? Uh,
2: so it was originally just a Facebook group created by Andrew Clerk, and he is a South African entrepreneur and he decided that he wanted to be with other entrepreneurs and talk about business with foreigners. So That's why he started this group and just like once a week in the cafe and just to meet up and meet.
0: Meet fellow entrepreneurs. Yes.
2: Yeah. And then it just grew bigger and bigger. And now there are 7,000 members. Mm. Especially his personal story. I just felt like he's such an inspiring person. So I joined this group and got to know him through Facebook. And then I decided to go and meet him. And then I offered to be one of the moderators in the group, like to approve members on Facebook and things like that, approve posts and things like that. Mm. And I offered to do the branding for TIE. Maybe there were other people who offered the same thing, but I was the first one who actually did it. Mm-hmm. So, probably that made a difference. So, we became closer friends. So, I got more involved in this group and uh, met more and more entrepreneurs. Today, uh, most of my clients knew me through this group because um, I feel like I can more understand what the foreigners need when they set up the companies in Taiwan. I know the market here. So, maybe maybe. maybe I can be the bridge between the Taiwanese market and the foreign entrepreneurs, Mm -hmm. right?
0: It's a really great opportunity to network. Yes, yes. people who are interested in entrepreneurship, business here in Taiwan.
2: Totally, totally. It's such a pool of resource and talent, especially now there's another thing called TIE Mastermind. It's not a Facebook group. We do like hot seats and Andrew and Jamie, they they provide topics and, and they talk about their experience. In the group, when you do the hot seats, you talk about your business and problems that you encountered and you have all the members who give you feedback and mm. and if you have any question in any area there is always someone who's in that area mm. who can give you advice and you can offer advice back to everybody it's so resourceful this group i totally recommend
0: it where's the best place where people can look um, facebook
2: facebook yeah. yeah just just search at taiwan impact entrepreneurs okay yes
0: perfect and then i think that's a perfect segue into your entrepreneurship right here in Taiwan, (laughs) which also leads to an intersection with Jay Triangular because we were talking last time and I asked you how you had met Jay. Yes. And it was at one of your events for your company. Right. You are doing. So can we talk about that a little bit?
2: Sure. So I've been doing branding and website design for over 20 years. It's fun because every project is different from a different industry. So I it's not a boring job. I research each project, each client. So it's a lot of fun, but still it gets a bit repetitive. Mm-hmm. You know, it's always website, always logo, and da da da. So I thought that, okay, I want to do something different. That relates back to daring to be who I am and to express myself. So I decided I want to do events like immersive sensory events that that offer audience a totally different experience. We get uh, raw talents from different areas to create something completely brand new and offer uh, audience uh, a totally immersive experience. For example, the event we just finished in June, that was a dining and whining sensory experience. The venue was in a Czech restaurant.
0: Czech Republic.
2: Czech Republic restaurant. The audience started by entering the restaurant, Everybody has to turn the phone off.
0: You mm. Don't all you? distractions. Yes. Put and, them aside.
2: And no pictures. You cannot take pictures. Right. We take pictures and we do the filming and we will post all everything. You, you won't miss a thing. Mm. So you just focus on the, the experience. experience itself. So you come in and start enjoying the buffet, the Czech food. So that's the first hour. And then you go upstairs with a drink and then you, you watch the performance. So there are two performances. The first one is a, uh, Japanese art, Shibari.
0: Shibari. Yes. Araki. <laughs> Araki is the, the master of, of Shibari.
2: Oh right, of
0: Japanese Shibari. I see. Okay, so there is a, a Shibari rope bondage experience. Right. So performance.
2: Right, right. So uh, the theme is the theme is love and how we should set the person free. If you really love the person, mm. so that's the thing like about love. So there are three girls. So there's Amy who's the rope master, and then there's Easy. She does aerial self tie,
0: whoa, which is
2: very very interesting. Yeah, yeah, and um, she's hanging, hanging, and, and then ties herself ties as herself. she's
0: kind of rotating in the air.
2: Yes, and then there's a Exe. Exe is a drag king, but for that performance, perform uh, as the, a girl, right? Yes. So Amy ties them up and then release them, and there is Dancing Buddha. Dancing Buddha is a um, drag queen. She is one of the most iconic drag queens in Taiwan.
0: Hmm. Dra- yeah. Dancing Buddha. Dancing Buddha is that could be their your nickname name. too.
2: <laughs> I'm the Dragon Lady. Exactly. <laughs>
0: Wow. Yes. Okay.
2: So um, Dancing Buddha, after they finish uh, the bondage, Dancing Buddha comes to release all of them. And that becomes the second part of the performance. So the whole experience was like two hours and a half.
1: Wow. So it's totally
2: immersive. And I did a projection on those artists while they are performing. That was my projection art.
0: Okay. So this is a digital, visual kind of projection art experience. Yes, yes, yes. Designed by you. Right. right. And you are projecting this onto the second half or the first half as well? Both, both. Okay.
2: Yes. So depending on the content I did, Different projections right. on, on the artist, and there is a screen on the back. So onto the artist and onto the back.
0: Okay, yes. with music as well, of and course. And with
2: music and beautiful music, high standard music. Each performer was just so brilliant and so talented. And they all did a wonderful job. Tickets were sold out, totally sold out for two events in a row. One Saturday, one Sunday, were both sold out. One weekend. Out. Yeah, well, one, one weekend. Okay. And then everybody was saying to me and my most talented business partner, Anya Whitehead. Okay, she shout
0: out. Anya. Shout out
2: to Anya. She is so talented and full of brilliant ideas. So people say to her, "Wow, well, you've got some balls to charge 1,500 for your first event, Mm. but every penny was worth it. Yeah. So we were so, so happy.
0: Yeah. That's quite affordable, right? 1,500 because you get a meal. You can eat this wonderful Czech buffet. Yes. And then for the next hour, you go upstairs and can enjoy this two-part immersive show. And the drink. And, and a drink. A drink.
2: So it was, it was reasonable. Right. Yes, yes. yes.
0: <laughs> oh my goodness. Wow. Yes. Yeah,
2: so um, me and Anya, we formed this uh, production company called As We Art.
0: As We Art. As We Art. Yes.
2: Yes. It was originally called As We Are, but we thought we'd give it a spin. Right. It As We Art. As We Art. Yes. Yeah, so we will continue bringing out Similar but could be totally different immersive sensory events. So uh, we are planning on our next one in November. but I don't want to talk too much about it. Too much it. about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's going to be exclusive again, and then combining different talents and different forms of art.
0: So how many people were at each event on Saturday and Sunday?
2: So the restaurant itself upstairs is quite small. The restaurant is called Divadlo. Divatlo, Divatlo okay. is a Czech Republic restaurant, mm. and the venue is quite small, so we could only cater for forty people.
0: Forty max capacity. Yes, yeah, so okay. so
2: each event was like forty people, but we want to keep it exclusive and small mm. for all our future events. Right. Yeah.
0: That's pretty impressive, though. 40 people and in this very kind of intimate space and intimate kind of situation as well.
2: Yes, yes. It's really immersive. So they are all almost a part of the, the performance because at the beginning of the bondage, Amy went into the audience and kind of asked anybody wanted to experience just a little bit, you know, tying up the the arm.
0: arm. Tie the arm up a little bit.
2: Yeah. So the audience got to experience a little bit as well and totally be in the projection and in the music as well. Yeah.
0: And Jay Triangular, our former guest, was there.
2: Yes. uh, They were one of the audience.
0: Okay. Yes.
2: So we looked at each other just connected and then uh, after the event we were talking on Instagram a little bit um, they were showing me about the movie uh, right. the first kiss of the night okay and then they were saying that um, there was going to be some fight scene and I said oh I do martial arts right and they say, oh my god maybe you can help us I, said, oh, I would love to because <laughs> that's like one of my dreams right so I feel like my life is like going to full circle I like know. all the dreams coming true
0: coming to you yeah crazy yeah so that's how you found this role and right are jumping on the film and trying to choreograph these amazing scenes coming up in the second part yes in september right right Right. yes
2: Uh, that's amazing yeah and jay triangular is such a talented person Mm,
0: exactly yes
2: i think this movie concept is just so brand new that i just cannot wait
0: Yes. Yeah. There is a Kickstarter campaign going on right now. So please check that out at thefirstkissofthenight.com. Um, you can find that, donate anything, anything helps. Um, it's anything
2: a- helps. $5, $10, we will make it happen. Yes, exactly.
0: Yes. And then in September, there will be this crazy forest fighting scene. You will be there. Missy Hyper will be there. Jay Triangular will be there. And And I will will also be there. Yeah, I can't wait for this. Cool. This is going to be super amazing. Awesome. Awesome. And after our podcast, Jay and I were talking and they were talking very excitedly about the new kind of fascination with BDSM (laughs) and at not only BDSM, but also this rope bondage. Yeah. Jay was showing me her IG of being rapped by Amy. Right. And so I guess this is all thanks to you.
2: Oh, the, thanks to everybody, <laughs> every all the performers, uh, everybody in, in our crew.
0: Right. Uh, yes, yes. Oh my goodness. So how did this, what was the initial kind of inception of this idea? Where did this idea come from?
2: it was actually in TIE or we were doing a mastermind i wanted to do something to do with visual arts visual Projection and my own fascination of bondage and BDSM. Mm. So I was talking about how I can make the whole thing happen. So I was on the hot seat and then there were other entrepreneurs, they were giving me ideas and one of them say, why don't you do it in the like speakeasy, you know? Mm -hmm. That was the, yeah, speakeasy, that kind of um, like exclusive uh, behind the door. Underground, secret,
0: you have to kind of knock and a little little door open. Yeah. And, hello, who are you?
2: Right, right, right. So I was thinking, oh yeah, that's great. But to me, that was just an idea. But I really don't know what's happening with me or what's to do with Taiwan. Everything was just falling into place ever mm. since. And things just started to happen. I started to meet the right people, discovering the right events, venues, and then it just happened. It just
0: happened. <laughs> it's so amazing. crazy. That's so crazy. And your first event, and it was, sounds like it was a great success.
2: It was a great success. I've. I was just so grateful. I feel so fortunate.
0: Oh, that's amazing. Yes,
2: yes. I feel like if you are true to yourself and just be yourself and just go into the world and go for it and things will fall into place.
0: Mm. And November.
2: Yes, November
0: November there will be another one. The second one is coming. Yes, yes. And plans are underway secretly.
2: Secretly. It's totally different. It won't be anything to do b- with BDSM. It will be totally different huh. experience.
0: Okay. Yes. So if people want to find out, I know this is exclusive, but how? Oh. How can they oh. find more information? How can they follow? How can they be updated to you know, know if they're interested in attending in November?
2: Right, so um, please go on to Facebook and Instagram and find As We Art.
0: As We Art. As We Art. Okay, that's where you can find that information. Yes, please. So what about BDSM and bondage? Where did this uh, interest come from? Um, We'll wrap up the episode with this topic, (laughs) so to speak.
2: Well, um, personally, I like to enjoy myself.
0: (laughs) You have become a free woman, we see.
2: Right, right, right. And I like to express myself and have a good time. So I've tried many things. And uh, bondage was something I always wanted to try, but had never got the chance. Mm. Until I came back to Taiwan and realized that actually bondage was something big.
0: Yeah, Taiwan has a healthy scene.
2: Yeah, I was really surprised. And then realized that because we had such a Japanese influence, so the shibari is quite big in Taiwan. So I attended uh, a few of the workshops and then experienced being tied up and just thought it just blew your mind so wonderful. And although I was totally tied up, but when I was spinning, it felt the the sense of liberation. It was so free. And I felt so relaxed and beautiful. And just in that moment, it was just like, it's wonderful. So I I love it. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I remember asking you last time when I first met you, you know, we started out the conversation also this episode with this Buddhist background of yours. Yes. This name, this identity of yours as Norzo Tenjing from the Dalai Lama himself. Yes. And then coming full circle in this episode as well to the BDSM, bondage, (laughs) other sensual aspects, and and also your company and the production, these kind of more sensual aspects of life. Sure. How do you kind of reconcile? So, you know, some people might be confused, right? Right. But how do you kind of reconcile these things in your life?
2: Um, If I do everything with compassion and good intention, I don't see there's any contradiction. So in a way, I use Norto Tenzing as my stage name. Some people might think that's offensive, but I think that is a celebration of how open-minded Buddhism is. And um, I feel like it's my tribute. It's my showing my appreciation to my name and to Buddhism.
0: Mm. Yes. (laughs) It's amazing I love it I love that compassion of yours I, I can feel that In all of our conversations All of your stories as well And your really amazing life up until this point. Thank you. And I am very excited to come visit the set and see your choreography, your kind of martial arts, and very interested to follow everything that's going on with As We Art, As We Art as well. It all is quite amazing, and it sounds like you are really coming full circle and enjoying your life back in Taiwan after this many years.
2: Oh yes, I cannot wait for what's coming up like in my life is so exciting so many things are happening
0: on that note we will celebrate that we'll celebrate your story your life and celebrate what is to come in the future as well
2: yes and one of the amazing things is like meeting you as well kane
0: oh thank you thank you (laughs) yeah likewise it's really really a pleasure we have to thank jay as well yes um for for making this happen but yeah i think that's the beautiful thing of taiwan right it's yes it's a small place and you know if if you are interesting or if you are interested, you can make things happen, right? Yes, and you can sure. meet a lot of very interesting people. And for sure. yeah, and that's yes. what we are trying to do here as well is highlight these stories. So your yes. story has been incredible. <laughs> I really want to thank you so much again for sharing them. So openly, so compassionately. <laughs> uh, it's been uh, amazing hearing these stories. So thank you very much.
2: Thank you, Kane.
0: All right. All right. Okay, everyone. We wish everyone a beautiful, compassionate, peaceful day. So thank you for listening. Goodbye, everyone. Peace.